This year, we just decided to do something different as to, to meet in, in homes, but invite others to come into our homes. And so I'm looking forward to that. So it'd be great. This is a moed. A moed is a, is a, a rehearsal. It actually means it's a rehearsal. It's an appointed time. And uh, you can read about it in Leviticus 23, but these appointed times, God says, I want my people to come to me. I want my people to come away with me. As a matter of fact, like I mentioned earlier, this is one of those times when the children of Israel, three times of the year where when they were living in the land, all of the people of Israel would, would go to Jerusalem and go to the temple. And so it's big. It's, it's, it's one of those major times of the year. And I remember even as a kid, we would celebrate the Passover together. The whole family would get together and grandma would make her wonderful matzo ball soup. I'm just throwing that hint out because I don't know if we're going to have matzo ball soup at our Passover Seder tonight, but I love matzo ball soup. And it's also a time of the year when, when people learn what gefilte fish is. Okay, has anybody really enjoyed gefilte fish? I don't see, I see, I see, matter of fact, I see this. It's because you've never had my grandma's gefilte fish, is what it is. Yes. Did you say something back there? It, I don't know. If it comes out of a jar with all that gelatin on it, it's not the same. Okay, but it's, it's one of those things we used to serve it. And I'm not making fun of the... If you're watching me and you are a producer, you make gefilte fish and you sell it. Please don't take offense to this. But it's, it's one of those things we used to put out at every Passover Seder and nobody would eat it. You'd try to take a bite. There was always a bite missing. There was a piece missing. And then that was it. But this is a special time of the year of we remember the greatest miracles in the scriptures. Delivering our people from bondage, out of slavery in Egypt. But it's also a time for us. And you know, I was, I was doing a little bit of a reading this week and realized that the Passover, all Christians celebrated the Passover until 326 A.D. or something like that. And when the, the, the um, emperor of Rome forbid it. But it was a time when everybody, Jew and Gentile, believer in Yeshua, would come together and celebrate the Passover. It was before Easter, before Resurrection Day. And that's why I think it's, it's so important for us to, to celebrate this Moedim. And I'm not saying that everybody in the church needs to repent and, and come and celebrate the Passover. But boy, I tell you what, you're missing something if you don't experience the Passover. It's the root of our, the communion. We take the Lord's Supper, Yeshua's Supper. There's the bread and there's the cup. Where does it come out of? It comes out of the communion. It comes out of the Passover. It's a time when Yeshua inserted himself into the Passover. 
wasn't something new that they celebrated in his day. They'd been celebrating it for about 1,500 years, every year, coming up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But there was something different 2,000 years ago when Yeshua called his friends together. And he says, man, how I've longed to celebrate this Passover together with you. And they thought, well, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, great. We're going to have Passover together for friends. But they didn't realize he was going to put himself into the Passover that very year. And when he put himself into the Passover as the bread of heaven come down broken for us, as he came down and he, he lifted up the third cup and the cup of salvation, the cup of redemption, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. They had never heard that before. But they suddenly realized Yeshua, his blood, they didn't know what was before them in the next couple of days. As a matter of fact, they hid over the next few days. It was a terrible time in Jerusalem. But he said, it's my, this cup is the, the cup of my blood of the new covenant. They were entering into something new at that Passover that we get to experience this today. So important for us to understand that. Three things real quickly that I want to talk about. These appointed times, all of the appointed times, but specifically the Passover, the Pesach. It's a time for the body to awake. And we sang that this morning. And God has been awakening us through a shaking like we've never experienced before, many, many of us. It's God is saying, I want, I love you so much. I'm a covenant-keeping, loving father, and you need to awake to the things that I'm going to do. And it was so appropriate, Kent, when you, with, with the blood on the, on, the, on the earlobes to hear that he wants us to hear what he's doing. And he wants us to have eyes to see what he's doing. So there's an awakening going on. It's also a time, and this is built into every one of the Moadim, every one of the appointed times, a time to repent. As a matter of fact, at Passover, it starts before, earlier in the week, when we're called to, to clean our houses out of chametz or leaven, Anything that has yeast in it. And, and of course, leaven, chametz, it represents sin. And there's a house cleaning. And God has been cleaning our houses out, hasn't he? And that's part of what he does at Passover. So that it starts beforehand. And then we, we enter into the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. We don't eat anything with leaven in it, grains to be reminded of the sinless perfection of Yeshua, actually. And guess what? Yeshua is living in us. So it's an opportunity for us to, to thank him for our redemption, that he saved us out of bondage to sin, slavery to sin and all kinds of things, brought us into freedom. See, Passover is about freedom. You see, the children of Israel, they were in Egypt, they were 12 tribes. They were not really united together. They were more connected to their clans and to their individual tribes. And then God, through a series of miraculous things, he brought them to a place. He part the Red Sea, brought them to a mountain, says, you are now a people of God set apart, set apart for me, to me, consecrated to me. That's what holiness means, is, is to be set apart 
consecrated unto him. And we as a people, the Israelites, but it wasn't just the Jewish people either at the time. It was a mixed multitude. Did you know that? It was Israelites, but there was others that came along with, they came along with the Israelites. It was a mixed multitude. And God says, you're now my people. I am your father. I am your God. And they all said, yes, you are. So it's a time of awakening. It's a time of repenting, getting our hearts ready, preparing our hearts. God wants us to, and I've been sharing messages over the last many weeks about, I, I sense that the, he wants to impart a greater degree of his glory. So we have to get rid of the impurities in our lives. He's bringing a cleansing, and that involves repentance. And there's also preparation. He's preparing us. And just think about this past year. I mean, how many of us are ready for the whatever is before us now because of the things that we've experienced over the last year with COVID and shutdowns? And, um, you know, who would have thunk? That's slang for thought. Thunk. Who would have thunk? A year ago that we would have had to experience. I remember when... There was a, a call from our government, 15 days to, to uh, what did they call it, to slow the curve, to bend the curve. 15 days. I thought, man, 15 days? I could stand on my head for 15 days. A year later, and we're still dealing with this stuff, David. It's, it's crazy. But God is preparing us. And he's preparing us by calling us out of the things of the world and back to himself. I really believe that. He wants to awake us from mediocrity and casualness in our approach to him. You know, like, like was said in the Torah portion, he's drawing us to himself. And that's what the, the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, is all about. He draws us to himself. And you may wonder why all these sacrifices, why all these blood sacrifices and, and, and animals being burned and all of that, why all this ritual it's because God is a holy God, but yet he desires us to come into his presence. But we have to, he says, be holy as I am holy. So there is a process to go through, but praise be to God is, is through Yeshua, we now have entrance to him. His blood is sufficient. Amen? His blood is sufficient for us. And the repentance that a lot of us have gone through, you know, repentance of a me-centered theology. It's all about me. It's all about me. No, it's all about him. It's all about him. And God wants us to repent of anything that's about my, comfort, my comfortability, my happiness. There's not, nothing wrong with desiring happiness. But he desires that we find our happiness, find our contentment, find our desires met in him. The shaking has already begun, and that's the preparation stage that we're in. The shaking has already begun. You know, Yeshua tells us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, and he's talking about the end days. And he says, And many people's love will grow cold because of increased distance from the Torah, increased lawlessness 
people's love will grow cold. And you know, the only way to get that love revived is to draw into his presence. And that's what I keep on saying to us is that, guys, he wants us individually and corporately as a body, as Orchayim, to draw into that place of intimacy, that place of presence. And then we get our love restored, our love renewed. And then that, that fire begins to burn again. And how many need to have that fire retorched? Yeah. So I'm going to read some, some, some verses um, out of the Exodus story. So if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 12. And I'm just going to kind of ad-lib this as we go. Um, it's a beautiful story. You'll be getting much of it tonight. The context is God has called Moses, who was in exile on the far side of the desert, to come back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And then went through the whole thing with the, 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 the plagues and all of that. And Moses having to deal with, God, not me. I, I can't even speak. I can't even put two sentences together. And, and God's saying, you know what? Don't worry about that. I'll put words into your heart. And he reveals himself as the great I am. He says, I am who I am. So that's the context Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 14. Now Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month will mark the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month for you, first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one lamb for the household. But if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor are to take one according to the number of the people. According to each person eating, you are to make your count for the lamb. Your lamb is to be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must watch over it until the 14th day of the same month. And that begins tonight. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. They are to take the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the crossbeam of the houses where they will eat. They are to eat the meat that night, roasted over a fire with matzah and bitter herbs. They are to eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled or with water, but only roasted with fire its head with its legs in its innards. So let nothing of it remain until the morning. Whatever remains until the morning, you are to burn with fire. Also, you are to eat it in this way, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in haste. It is the Adonai, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt, on that night, and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you go. When I see the blood, 
I will pass over you. So there will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is to be a memorial for you. You are to keep it as a feast to Adonai throughout your generations. You are to keep it as an eternal ordinance. We see there the prominence of the lamb, specifically a lamb without blemish, one-year-old male, perfect, taken from the flock, hidden in the house for four days. In the house, that animal was to be with them in the house. The prime of its life, no blemish, perfect. See, God makes this an individual experience for everybody, the children and the adults. There's this lamb selected from the flock, the best, in the house. It's a personal experience. And then they're to kill it on the twilight of the 14th day of Nisan. The message is, is it's a separation going to take place now. By the blood of that lamb, a separation between Egypt and God's people, Israel. A separation is taking place. And we can also look at it today for us. It's a separation of us from a world system. It's a separation of us from our sins. But it had to be done by the precious blood of an innocent lamb. And I love what John said, Yohanan, when he saw Yeshua coming to the Jordan River. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said that prophetically. God came upon him and he said, ah, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So a picture of an innocent lamb being slaughtered, it's the message of we are now divided from what we were to what we are now as a people of God. It's a picture of cutting covenant. Yeshua is our lamb. And it also says that that lamb was to be roasted by fire, not boiled, not ate raw. Could you even imagine that, eating raw? But, you know, if you're starving to death. But roasted by fire. And that's a picture of Yeshua. That's a picture of that innocent lamb taking the divine wrath upon itself. That's why it had to be done by fire. And what was left had to be burned up. Taking the divine wrath. You know, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago when Yeshua said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But when he took, he took my sin and he took your sin upon himself that day. And that wrath came upon him. The wrath of sin came upon Yeshua in our place. He was in our stead. He took our place on that cross. So to the point that the father could not even look upon him, his own son, and had to turn his back and it became dark. That's a picture of the wrath of God coming upon a man who knew no sin. Wow. The, rat, the, the lamb of God. Two more things real quickly. Passover, it kind of encompasses three celebrations or three festivals. If you read in Leviticus 23, there's the Feast of Passover. There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We read about that in the next verses in, in verses 17 through 20 of Exodus 20. I'm not going to read that right now. 
It's a feast of unleavened bread, and, and Ken talked about this for seven days to eat only unleavened bread and, and, and not to eat anything with chametz or leaven in it. And this is to, to show us that we are now a separate people. We're called by God to be separate from everybody else. Get rid of the leaven. Chametz means, actually, it literally means sour. And it also means sin. It's a fermenting agent causing the bread to rise. It's the first step in the process of decay. Picture Yeshua being put into a tomb for three days and resurrected. He never experienced decay. Never experienced decay. You see, that we all have that sin in us. The power of sin. But thanks be to God that he died so that we do not have to yield to the power of sin any longer. We've been set free from the power of sin. We don't have to obey it. And you know, we, we talk a lot about grace in these days. And we have grace to do the things that we want to do. And sometimes that grace has been misappropriated. But we also have the grace to say no to sin. You think about that? God's grace is sufficient for us. And we can say no. And when we say no to sin, when we say no to the power of sin, he he. he he strengthens us. He strengthens us to walk that out. See, grace is not just being tolerant of other people. Grace is not just doing whatever you want to do. Grace is also walking in the power not to sin. How about that? Feast of Unleavened Bread remembers of that, rem reminds us of that, that we are holy unto him. We are that unleavened bread unto him because he is living in our hearts. It's a picture of Yeshua's body, that matzah that we break on the Passover evening. And then the third festival that's within Passover is the sheaf of first fruits or the, the um, feast of uh, Bikurim first fruits. It's a prophetic picture. I want to read Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 14, and then we'll bring things to a close. Levit Leviticus 23, starting in verse 9, Adonai said to Moshe, Tell the people of Israel, after you enter the land, after you enter the land, I am giving you, I'm giving you, and harvest its, harvest its ripe fruit crops. You are to bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the Kohen, to the priest. He is to wave the sheaf before Adonai, so that you will be accepted. The Kohen, the priest, is to wave it on the day after the Shabbat, on the day that you wave the sheaf, you are to offer a male lamb without defect in its first year as a burnt offering for Adonai. Its grain offering is to be the one is to be one gallon of fine flour mixed with olive oil, an offering made by fire to Adonai as a fragrant aroma. Its drink offering is to be of wine, one quart. You are not to eat bread dried grain or fresh grain until the day you bring the offering for you, for your God. This is a permanent regulation through all your generations, no matter where you live. This is three days after the Passover. This is the day that Yeshua was resurrected from the dead. But it's a prophetic picture 
Where were they when God gave those instructions? They were in the desert. They didn't have their own land. They didn't have any of their own crops. Matter of fact, they were focused on what they didn't have. And God says, when you come into the land that I promise you, that I'm going to give you, do this in remembrance of the things that I promise. He makes them fruitful. God makes us fruitful. Talking about the first fruit of barley. And when they found that, and we're, you know, we're talking about Shavuot coming up in 50 days after Passover and way before the priests. But we see the fulfillment of Yeshua all through the Passover. And I'm going to kind of bring things to a close here. In John chapter 12, verse 23 and 24, it says, Yeshua gave this answer. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Yes, indeed, I tell you that unless a grain of wheat that falls to the ground dies, it stays just a grain. But if it dies, it produces a big harvest. In verse 32 of John chapter 12, he says, As for me, when I am lifted up from the earth, talking about Yeshua going to the cross, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. That's so awesome. He brings us with him. I'm not going to read these right now, but in Romans chapter 6, and we've been talking about this the last few weeks. Yeshua is our first fruits. He's our Passover lamb. He's the sinless lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He took the sins upon himself. And when he died, guess what? I died with him. See, the good news is when he went to the cross and he died, I died with him. When he arose, guess what? I arose with him. And where is he seated right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Where am I seated? I'm seated with him in heavenly places. When he ascended, I'm ascended with him. This is our Passover lamb, and his name is Yeshua. He had to come. He had to come 2,000 years ago on that last Passover of his earthly life and entered himself into the Passover. He described in himself the lamb, his blood being poured out as a drink offering. But he was also looking to us today. He was looking to you, David, Glory, Peter, me, my, all of us. He was looking forward. Some of us, and I want us to stand if we would. We're going to close things here. Some of us, this is, a, this is also a time of recommitment in our lives. Some of us are still living in a place of in-betweenness. What do I mean by in-betweenness? Living a life somewhere between Egypt and Canaan, the promised land. You know, the Israelites, they were freed from Egypt, but their mindset was still stuck as slaves in Egypt. Yeshua, when he went to the cross, he said, I don't want my people any longer to be living in that place of in-betweenness because he's become our life. 
He's become the substitute. He's become the sacrifice lamb. His blood is sufficient. It's in him we have life and have it abundantly. He wants us to stop living between Egypt where we feel like I have no choice but to sin. I can't control myself because of Yeshua's gift to us at the cross. Yes, we can apply his life to whatever difficulty we're in. And we say, thank you, Lord. Yeshua, you are my life. You see, we believe in the cross. And as a Messianic Jew, I don't mind using that term cross. Call it a tree call it a stake. I just know, and it's not about a symbol. It's about the reality of Yeshua, him crucified, buried in the ground, resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now because he lives, I can live. That's what to me the cross is. Because of that, I want us to go beyond just believing in the cross, but living in the power of his glory and living in the power of his resurrection life. That's what Passover is all about. Amen? Living in the power of a resurrected life. Father, in the name of Yeshua, Lord, we've all gone between Egypt and the promised land. Lord, even the children of Israel, they said, man, it's hot out here. We ain't got no water. The food's not good enough. Let's get ourselves a new leader. Moses, we don't know what he's doing. And let's go back to Egypt. But God is saying to us, that is not an option for us not to go back. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to forge ahead, move forward into the things that he has promised, but also into a powerfully resurrected life that he wants us to live. So, Father, in the name of Yeshua, I pray, Father, for that mantle of the resurrection life in each of us. And tonight as we break the afikomen, as we drink the cup, Lord, that you would remind us again of your perfect sacrifice. And that because of your sacrifice, we live today. Have life and have it more abundantly. We have an eternal life. We have the promises that you said we would have. So, Father, I pray that tonight as we enter into this season of Passover, Lord, that we would have eyes to expect, eyes, we would have faith to expect great things to happen. Lord, I pray that those miracles that we were praying for earlier in the surface, Lord, this would be a season where we see your hand move in a mighty way. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, as we enter into the season of Passover, as your children, Lord God, reveal yourself. Bring more of revelation of who you are to us in Yeshua's name. And we're reminded of his, he is Kadosh, holy, holy, holy. Not in a way that we cannot approach him. Because the scriptures say, be holy for I am holy. And the only way to be holy, to Kadosh, is to be set apart, consecrated into him by his blood. So that we can enter that place of his presence. Just like the Kohen Gadol, the high priest would go in beyond that 
that, that separation behind that veil to that place of the presence. But Father, that veil has been ripped from the top to the bottom and now we have access to that. So bring us into that place of your holy presence. Lord, we choose to worship you today. Let's just worship him with a song.